it is good to be here at Maple Park. It is good for our family to be here too. And I just uh, want to point out my wife. Where's my wife at? My wife and the kids. Would you stand for a minute just so everybody knows, she says. So everybody knows who Katie is. There's my wife. Santana is nine. Kaylee is ten. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how old my wife is. And Daniel, uh, Daniel is seven. And then Rebecca's in the nursery. She's three years old. So my wife gets a little break from the three-year-old during service here. And also uh, my uh, wife's parents here, Mark and Val, are here. And uh, Katie's grandmother is here today with us too. We welcome you here in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is good for us to come together. It's good for us to uh, sing these songs which turn our eyes towards Jesus. It's good for us to hear these scriptures. Um, it's good for us to hear the gospel today. And today we go to Mark chapter 10. And from today's reading from Mark 10, Jesus warns us against self-centeredness. There are two attitudes with which you might approach life. Two attitudes that determine how you'll interact with other people. One attitude follows the desires of the flesh or of that old sinful nature. The other attitude is the attitude that is produced by the gospel of grace, the attitude that Jesus gives to us by his grace. It's an attitude that's produced in the mind and in the heart of the Christian. So we have the attitude of the flesh, which is self-centeredness. It's focused on uh, self. But we also have the attitude of the spirit, which is humble servanthood. Humble servanthood. In verses 32 through 34 of our reading from Mark 10, Jesus was journeying to Jerusalem with his disciples. And the text tells us that the disciples were amazed and they were afraid. Amazed and afraid. The disciples knew that Jesus, the Jewish officials in Jerusalem, wanted Jesus dead. And this caused the disciples to be afraid to go into, to enter into Jerusalem. They believed that Jesus was Messiah, the Christ, the anointed, the king. They believed that Jesus' rightful place and position was on David's throne in Jerusalem. So many of them are thinking, we're going to Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to take the throne. He's going to kick the Romans out and he will be king finally. So they were afraid and they were amazed. They were amazed. But as Jesus journeyed to Jerusalem, he didn't have an earthly kingdom in mind. He had a heavenly kingdom in mind, a kingdom prepared for you and for me. Jesus was very clear about his purpose in going to Jerusalem. Jesus was on a mission. Jesus had a plan. He was clear-headed, no confusion in his mind. Jesus walked boldly to Jerusalem. He walked boldly to Jerusalem to die. To die upon the cross for our salvation. Jesus walked boldly to Jerusalem as the suffering servant. Today I want you to know that Jesus is your servant. He is the one who has won salvation for you by his humble suffering and his death 
upon the cross. And today I want us to contrast Jesus' attitude with that of James and John. The disciples' hearts were were not aligned with Jesus' mission, nor were they aligned with his attitude. The disciples were self-centered. All the disciples could think about was themselves. Jesus was about to perform the most powerful act of humble servanthood imaginable by his bloody death upon the cross. And all the disciples could think about was power and glory for themselves. All they could think about as they marched to Jerusalem was what they were going to get out of this deal. So they said, do for us. Grant to us. Jesus, we want the highest positions of power in your coming administration. You see, this is the background political aligning in which the power-hungry are jockeying for highly esteemed political appointments. This is the kind of stuff that makes us despise politicians and politics. James and John do not have servanthood in mind. They are acting according to the attitude of the flesh. The attitude of the flesh. Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. I have to admit, I'm not any better than the disciples. I too am a self-centered person. We live as self-centered people, don't we? It's almost as if our culture teaches us to be self-centered. We demand our own way. We demand for ourselves, even at the cost of other people. We're even prone to infantile behavior when we don't get our own way. Have you ever watched a three-year-old throw a temper tantrum? Sometimes I watch my three-year-old throw a temper tantrum, and I think things really haven't changed a whole lot, have they? I'm still the same way. I'm still the same way. You can feel this self-centered attitude of the flesh. This wicked nature rises within you. How about when that person cuts you off as you're struggling through your commute? When the goods and services you purchase aren't up to your standards, do you ever find yourself becoming short with people and even angry at others because they're making your life inconvenient? What about jealousy and resentment when you're passed over or forgotten or wrong? The attitude of the flesh creeps into families. Marriages are destroyed. Families are torn apart. The attitude of the flesh. Self-centeredness. Self-centered attitude, this attitude of the flesh, creeps into the local church. Do people ever demand their own way within the church? 
happen? When they don't get their way, do they, do they end up throwing these infantile temper tantrums? Does that ever happen in the church? We know our own nature and we know that the wickedness that infests our souls, this wickedness, this selfishness, it doesn't fall off when we enter into the front doors of the church. We still possess a fallen, sinful nature that desires what we want, our way, our time. We carry that old, wicked nature with us wherever we go. The attitude of the flesh. The attitude of the flesh says me first. My opinion matters more than your opinion. You better not inconvenience me. And on and on it goes. Never assume that the intentions and motivations of your heart are always pure. Even after salvation, we retain our old sinful, self-centered rebellion against God and against others, and it continues to rage on. It doesn't get any better with age. This doesn't go away on its own. It rages and it rages and it rages with relentless might. The attitude of the flesh. Self-centeredness. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. This isn't the attitude of the Spirit. Some things had been revealed to the disciples that were from the Holy Spirit, but, but this, this request of James and John has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. This is a request of the flesh, of the fallen human nature. Examine your life today. Look deep within yourself right now. Take a moment and look inside. What attitude dwells within your heart? Is it the attitude of the flesh? Is it self-centeredness? Or the attitude of the spirit? which is humble, humble servanthood, humble before God and humble before others. If you take an honest look inside, you will find that your flesh is relentlessly self-centered. So I have advice for you today. Quit looking inside. Quit looking inside. Look away from yourself and look to your Savior. Look to your Savior today. Quit looking inside because you'll never find within you the will or the ability to walk in the Spirit as a humble servant. Some people will say if you look deep enough inside, if you just look deep inside of yourself, you will find the goodness that you need in order to be the good person uh, that you know you should be. But I say no. Do not look within yourself. It doesn't matter how deep you look. The deeper you look, the more wickedness you find. 
Look away from yourself. Look away from yourself. Good news, good news. God has granted to us a way of escape from the flesh. God has given to us who believe the amazing gift of his spirit. He has granted to us by his spirit, the spirit himself turning our eyes away from ourselves to the crucified and resurrected Savior. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit turns our eyes to our Savior. The Holy Spirit turns our eyes to our Savior by his ministry of word and sacraments. So by these great gifts, the word of God and the sacraments, the Holy Spirit is turning our eyes away from ourselves so that we see Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit begins his work within us. We cannot look to Jesus and be saved and have our attitudes change. Moreover, we cannot grow in Christ unless the Holy Spirit turns our eyes away from ourselves and towards Jesus so that we can see Jesus, be made alive again, and walk in the attitude of the Spirit, which is humble servanthood. When the Holy Spirit turns our eyes to see Jesus, what do we see? What do we see in Jesus? What is Jesus' attitude? What do his actions prove about himself? And we see that Jesus is the servant of all. He's the servant of all people. Even your servant, your servant today, he comes today to serve you. Even in this service of God's word, he comes to serve you. Jesus isn't a servant who answers the the flesh-motivated requests of arrogant glory-seeking disciples. No, he's a servant who grants repentant sinners the gift of the gospel. And he continues to grant to you the gift of the gospel. He comes to serve you daily. He serves gospel upon gospel, all for you, all from the Savior, The gospel isn't something that we dip into once and then we go on our way doing things on our own strength. The gospel is the life and the power of the believer in daily life. To walk in the spirit so that we do not gratify the cravings of the sinful nature. Isn't this amazing? Jesus serves me and he serves you. And he serves every other person in this community. When I drive down the I-5 corridor, I'm amazed at all of the the homeless that I see. Along I-5, it wasn't that way when we lived here before. Jesus came to serve them. When I'm irritated by traffic and the person who cuts me off, I need to realize that Jesus came to serve that person. When I don't get the customer service that I think I deserve from that person who clearly doesn't like their job, Jesus came to serve that person. Jesus came to serve sinners. He came to serve all sinners. Sinners who are like me. Sinners who enjoy the same sins that I enjoy. 
and the sinners who irritate me and who I have a tendency to look down at. He came to serve every sinner of every ethnicity, sinners of every socioeconomic situation, of every orientation, of every political affiliation. You name the person and his or her background and the choices and lifestyle, Jesus came to serve them. This is amazing. This is what makes the gospel glorious. Jesus is the only one in the universe possessing, listen to this, he is the only one in the universe possessing the inherent right to be served, but he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. He came to give his life upon the cross so that you would know that you are forgiven. To know that your sins have been removed from you. To know that you have been made alive, that you've been given the very righteousness of Christ. To know that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Did you know that the whole package is yours? It's all yours. When Jesus served, he doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't hand out inferior product. When he gives, he gives everything. And he gives his best. That's what he's given to you. That's what you possess today. You are in Christ today. Because you're in Christ, you have it all. By the power of the word of the gospel, you can walk in the Spirit today. And what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means that we can walk in freedom. We can walk in freedom. You are free in Christ, you are free to be a servant. You are free to be filled with joy. You see, in order for us to understand Christian servanthood, we need to understand our freedom in Christ Jesus. In order to understand our freedom in Christ Jesus, we need to understand servanthood. So Jesus has given all to you. You are free. You are free. This is joy. You are a free servant of all. You see that old, bitter, ugly, dark spot in your heart that causes this self-centeredness has been removed. You don't need to be selfish anymore. You can be a servant today. You are free from sin. You are free to serve. You are free to be filled with joy. And what freedom it is how freeing it is to no longer be self-centered, but to be a humble servant. James and John and dozens of other Christian followers were filled with the Holy Spirit. We read about this in Acts chapter 2. They became servants. They served unto death. They served under great persecution. Even drinking the very cup of martyrdom. John died a natural death, but he suffered abuse beyond our comprehension. The whole time they served, 
were free. Even though they were persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, but they were free. Free to serve unto death. James and John were never granted the authority to lord it over others. They were never granted seats of authority and glory while they journeyed through their earthly life. But they lived in freedom. They walked in freedom. Even while held as prisoners, they were some of the freest people who ever lived. You are free today. You might not feel free. But I'm not talking about something you feel all the time. I'm talking about the reality of who you are in Christ. You are free. Your sins are forgiven. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is true of you. If you feel it, or you don't feel it. And my prayer for you today is that you would leave this place knowing your freedom and that that freedom would motivate you to serve. You are free from the flesh, free from the old sinful nature, free from condemnation, and you're free to serve. James and John did enter glory. They did enter glory. But it was a glory more wonderful than anything their flesh could ever imagine. Jesus changed their hearts so that they would inherit a kingdom that is eternal. A kingdom that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for them. And kept for you. And kept for all who believe the gospel. The attitude of the flesh self-centeredness, the attitude of the spirit, humble servanthood. Those walking in the spirit are free, free to selflessly serve others. You are in the spirit. You are free. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen. This time we'll prepare our hearts to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. Let us hear today the gracious invitation of our Lord given to us in the Holy Scriptures. Jesus invites you.